0: Hi, and welcome to I Think You're Interesting. I'm Todd Vanderwerf of the I, and I Think You're Interesting. We're at the point in the podcast now where uh, publicists will approach me and be like, we should have this person on the show. And usually I, I agree, because I, I like to think that publicists know me very well. One of the ones that I, I jumped at and was like, yes, we have to do this, was Kelly Martin, who I don't know if you know... Who that is if you're significantly younger than me, you may not have the strong, strong memory of watching Kelly Martin throughout your childhood. But I loved Kelly Martin when I was like 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, the show Life Goes On and she played Becca. Uh, for which she received an Emmy nomination. Uh, it was just terrific, like really terrific family drama in a way that TV doesn't make anymore. She went from there, she did things like Christie. she was on the show ER for a couple seasons, and now she's on a new TBS show called The Guestbook, which as far as I can see is like her first broad comedy role. So Kelly Martin is doing great things, and 10-year-old me is really psyched that we're doing this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Because I had a great time, she had so many great stories about her career, the people she's worked with, and so many other things. So, so stick around. I think you're going to love it. Kelly, it's great to have you here.
1: I am happy to be here.
0: I have been watching you on on the guest book. I watched some of the screeners this morning, and I would not have placed you in like broad comedy, but here you are. <laughs>
1: No, I don't think anybody would place me in broad comedy, sadly.
0: (laughs) Was this like a thing you'd been hoping to do, or was this like an exciting opportunity that sort of came to you?
1: I think it was one of those serendipitous, exciting opportunities. Um, Greg Garcia, who created the show, Mm -hmm. is a very good friend of mine. Okay. And in fact, is my neighbor. Sure. So our two kids, our 10-year-olds, are besties, Uh and... um, I've known Greg and his wife Kim for like 3 years okay. and I actually have said to him on numerous occasions it's too bad we'll never work together because I do drama and yeah. you do comedy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and then when he he actually he told me about the guest book, I was actually pregnant mm. and we were sitting there waiting for our kids to come out of school and um he was telling me about it and I said that sounds amazing and then, like, a couple months later, told me he sold it to CBS. I'm like, yeah. cool, great. Not thinking anything of it. Yeah. Had my baby. <laughs> I'm picking up uh, his 10-year-old, and we're in the driveway of his house. And he came out, and he said, hey, Kelly— you, you think you might want to be on the guest book? And I said, of course, yeah, Greg, whatever you need. You know, yeah. sure. <laughs> and I, I literally put it out of my mind. I thought he meant a little guest spot, a little cameo. Um, and then I got an offer to be on the show full time. And oh, yeah. I was absolutely stunned.
0: Now, for our listeners who haven't seen the show, every episode is kind of a new story. It's a it's an anthology, basically, with these characters who check into this this guest cabin and then, you know, have wacky adventures. But some characters who are, like, townspeople. yeah, we're townies. Yeah, <laughs> including yourself, like, uh, sort of recur. And you might get, like, one 30-second scene in an episode where you have to, like, advance your storyline. You are uh, one of the town cops. Yes. Um and how do you sort of uh, make that moment count when you have, like, this little moment that has to play into, like, you are part of a love story, basically. And, like, you have to make that play.
1: Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think when you first meet me, I am law, I represent Law and & Order and the kind of, like, tiny bit of sanity within chaos. Yeah. Um, and what's great about my character is she's, like, the worst cop ever. She misses everything because she has this crush on... Uh, Dr. Brown, yeah. Garrett Dillahunt's character. So, somebody could be stealing or doing drugs literally right under her nose, but if Dr. Brown's in the room, that's all she's looking at.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and she, she's actually, so, I mean, pretty much the whole time, I'm just pining for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it ramps up, and there's a lot more at the end of the season. Um, but it was just fun to put on that uniform and and say those crazy words that Greg wrote for me. Um, I have lots of little monologues, which yeah. I guess is the way I talk in real life. <laughs> he said to me, we did one take, uh, I think my first day and he came up, he said, don't take a breath. Don't take a breath. I said, well, I think I was trying to remember it all. So yeah. I probably took a couple of pauses. He said, but you don't talk that way. Yeah. You don't take a breath when you talk. I said, oh, okay, really <laughs> got it. So he wrote it really for the way I sound in real life. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, every time I was on set, I just, uh, I just decided, hell, I'm gonna make the most of this. This is not, (laughs) nobody expects this from me. This is not actually in my wheelhouse, but I'm gonna Mm. pretend it is. Mm. So I just kind of pretended all the way through the season.
0: There are some actors I talk to, uh, when they do comedy and drama, they approach it differently. And some actors are just like, that's all the same thing. We're just like playing different emotions. (laughs) Like, how did you sort of approach that question of, I'm gonna do this Pretty big comedy for like your—this thing,
3: yeah.
1: I think in my mind before I started, I thought, I'm going to be like very Will Ferrell about this. I'm going to be really (laughs) wacky. And I'm going to go big or go home. And when I actually got to set and just said the words, I realized the words are so funny. That's the funny. And my uniform's funny. So I really just have to be honest and and just be there and be present. And the funny just comes out of the situations that we're put in. And just the craziness that Greg has set up. So I didn't tip it. I didn't hit it too hard. I think the thing I will say is I I wasn't afraid to take a risk. Yeah. And when Greg came up and said, try this, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I think that that's more than anything. It's the same as drama, except... You really actually—that's not true. With drama too, you have to be willing to scream and 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 go to ugly places, yeah. which is a risk too. So it's actually exactly the same. It's mm. just I think the words and the situations are different.
0: So another thing you mentioned just just a little bit ago is putting on the cop uniform. Like, I've talked to many actors who say that, like, just changes your state of mind in some way. And even even when you're in, like, a comedic project, like, what's the effect of of that costume, wearing that costume when you're playing that role?
1: Well, my costume in particular was, like— it was kind of even a bad cop's costume. Like it was, the pants could not have been more polyester and the belt could not have been more like huge and leather. And I had a, I have a huge like ranger hat on too. And I'm a little petite person. So you get all that gack on me. I look ridiculous. And my, and my actually my, my gear belt was so heavy, I think it weighed 30 pounds. And because I'm so little, like it literally goes all the way, all the gear goes all the way around my body. There's like yeah. not one space without gear. Um, mm-hmm. So I look hilarious and it really does inform the character. It makes me walk different. My boots make me walk different. So I'm real tough, you know, and kind of like the first time you meet me, I'm pulling someone over. So yeah. I'm not messing around. And the person I pull over is actually like, I suspect that they're drunk. Yeah. So I'm I'm Law and Order all the way until Garrett Dillahunt's on screen, and right. then I'm like, "Hi!" Like literally, <laughs> like I just yeah. become a different a different person.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. You mentioned that you you play sort of sanity amid chaos in some of this show, and it seems to me like you play that part a lot, like in <sighs> a lot of your work. You are the sane one, and there's all this other. Stuff going on around, sometimes dramatic, sometimes comedic, sometimes kind of a blend. Yeah. Um. And you've been doing that since you were very young. And like, what is it that you think either draws you to those parts, or or that you sort of enjoy playing about those parts?
1: I think I'm painfully down to earth, and um, especially for an actress, very capable. <laughs> Just as a like normal person, um, I I don't get caught up very often my husband may disagree with this. Hmm. He I'm sure he thinks I'm absolutely out of my mind. Yeah. But uh I would say generally speaking just because of I'm the product of Doug and Debbie Martin and they could not be more like salt of the earth you know just good solid people and right. that's me. So yeah. that's the characters I end up playing. I don't end up playing the drug addict. Like I'm not going to play I'm not going to play the, you know, the hooker. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, that's not me. They don't hire me for those parts. I play the cop. I play the, like, I'm actually doing a show where I play a detective. Yeah. I'm, I really am the sane one. And I think I'm, I'm earnest probably to a fault.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I bring that to all the characters I play. They're all little offshoots of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have yet to play a character who I don't feel like is, is so close to who I am.
0: Do you ever feel that temptation to be like, oh, I wish I could just play like a mental patient or something like that?
1: I think if I did, it would still be rooted in this weird earnest thing and yeah. it would just come out of, you know, something very honest. And um, I mean, I think I'm probably quite insecure and um, there are things that I can tap into, but they're all going to be very close offshoots of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So where where do you film? Uh, the guest book. It seems like it's out in the mountains somewhere. But it is. It, it, it is. Okay.
1: It is actually. Um, we film in a studio for all the interior. So sure. Froggy Cottage is is a studio. And then we go like three hours north. Oh, wow. To Pine Mountain. Okay. Which is far enough away that there are bears. <laughs> there were two bears that would visit our set all the time sure. when we were up there. Um. So it's it was cold. I mean it we we shot it in October and November and it was frigid in the right. morning and at night. We saw bears. The locals I don't think were super happy to have us there cuz they like it very quiet up there. Sure,
2: sure.
1: Um so we definitely were a bit disruptive though we tried to be very respectful and obviously followed all the rules. But what's nice is I mean it, again like wearing the costume being in that place really sets the tone and you really kind of just kind of get to sit in it and just kind of be there yeah um and what's what's weird about it is it's quote-unquote local
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you don't have to take a plane
2: yeah
1: <laughs> but you get to drive three hours after yeah. you work a 16-hour day? Yeah. That's fun. (laughs) So that wasn't my favorite, but I was grateful to be in town. So much of the stuff I shoot is uh, in Canada. Sure. So it was nice to be home with my family, although difficult to go home. And, you know, my two girls were like, well, mommy's here, even though I was so exhausted. You know, I was like, I'm not really here. Yeah. I'm just physically here, not actually
0: here? Yeah. You seem like you, you balance a lot of different things in your life, just from, from what I've read about you in other interviews with you. How do you sort of, how do you manage that? Like you have, um, you have not just this job, but you've had other jobs, you've written a book, you've done all this stuff and you have a family. And yeah. Like, I mean, obviously everybody has work-life balance, but it seems like you might know more about that than most
3: of us.
1: I think my, I think my problem slash saving grace is that, um, I started when I was seven, so acting was always extracurricular for me. It Mm -hmm. was never a job. And I don't think I've ever looked at it as a job. I've never thought, oh, this is the way I pay my bills. Even though I do um, pay my bills this way, I never count on it. I truly, and actually, when I met my husband, um, I I told him, you know, when, when we were getting serious and thinking about getting married I said to him I said you always have to be gainfully employed because mm. if you don't have a job I can't I can't be an actress right because part of what works for me is that I don't have to get that job if I don't get it you know what right. I mean like there's no pressure on me to work so as long as it's always icing on the cake of our lives then I will be able to do it and do it happily without any pressure and sure. for me that's been incredibly important my husband went you know He went to law school like he's he's good. He's made sure that if I don't work for two years, Mm -hmm. we're fine. You know, I think I get to buy cuter clothes when I work or I get to like, oh, maybe get a new car sooner than I normally would. But um, but my work is on top of our lives. And it's also kind of a priority. But really, after having worked 34 years, I do say no to things if it doesn't work out for me and my family, you know, and I had a baby 17 months ago. So the balance is difficult. And I went back to work way sooner than I expected and had to pump and then like ship my milk home. And so like all that balance is cuckoo, like cuckoo, cuckoo. Um, but again, like how lucky am I that I have a family that I can do the job I love? And another thing I will say is, uh, when I was 17, um, I I applied to college. I was working on Life Goes On. Right. Um, I worked on that show for four years. That was all of high school. Um, my my family instilled in me that I had to always go back to school. I always had to get an education. Right. And my tutor on set who I had for four years, who was the most amazing woman, um, made sure that I got into college. Sure. And so I went away to school. Right. I left a career that was doing—you know, I was going—it was going well. I was hot, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're an actress— it's better to try to work when you're 18 years old. Like you don't get any cuter than that. I don't mm-hmm. think. I think that's mm-hmm. like the peak of your cuteness. Yeah. But I left and I went yeah. away to school because I knew I'd have that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I can't. I couldn't miss that opportunity. And I'm so grateful I
0: went. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned that you started when you were seven. Um, and like, I don't know how much you remember of that time. But like, what, what was the process that that sort of happened with? Because a lot of people who start that young kind of flame out. Uh, You obviously are very stable uh, and have not, Um, but like, what were, were you really wanting to, had you always really wanted to act or or was it it something that came up?
1: So the weird way, uh, I got into acting is, um, my aunt was a nanny for Michael Landon's kids. Okay. And I was friends with his daughter, Shauna, who was my age. And I remember we were playing dolls in Shauna's very fancy bedroom. (laughs) Like it was gorgeous. And I said to her, I said, I want to be on your dad's show. And I meant Little House on the Prairie. I really just wanted to be Laura Ingalls. Yeah. And um, she said, okay. (laughs) And so um, between her and my aunt, they got me an audition with Michael. Right. And... I had such a fun audition. I mean, I, actually the waiting room, I was, you know, waiting to go in and Melissa Gilbert, of course, like right. walks by. She yeah. just walks by randomly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I freak out, of course, because that's Lori Ingalls. Um and she was very nice to me. But anyway, I went in. Michael Anna was very sweet to me. He gave he wrote a little part for me in a show he was producing called Father Murphy. Okay. Which is very nice of him. But the problem is it was not Little House on the Prairie. And that is not, I did not want to do Father Murphy. I wanted to do Little House on the Prairie. It had been canceled. I couldn't do it. It was not an option. Um, so that's how I started. And then his office kind of helped me get an agent and all that stuff. And um, And it was just always fun. It was nothing more than like soccer practice or, you know, gymnastics for right. any other kid. It was truly my extracurricular activity.
0: Do you remember a point where you started to think like, okay, this, I need to learn about like technique or like you had, you had to make it more than if you were going to make it an occupation, you had to make it more than just fun.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had a natural talent and all, I was very outgoing and that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, to be a child actor, that gets you very far, just the desire to do it and to be a pleaser. That's super important, which is also why I know my 10 year old could never be a child actor because she is not a pleaser. (laughs) I was a total pleaser. So, um, so that gets you quite far as a child actor. And having good parents is super important. Um, I went into acting class at nine years old. Mm. And I was in the same acting school for eight years. Wow. Uh, young actor space. And I saw River Phoenix and Leo DiCaprio came through, Topia Maguire, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like, it turned out some amazing actors.
2: Sure.
1: Um, so that was where I did all of my acting and learning. And it was so much fun. It yeah. was, again— Never full of pressure, and I was learning, quote-unquote, technique, though I never knew what kind of technique it was. Right. I was just learning how to be an actor and how to be honest, really. Yeah. Which is, at the end of the day all you have to do is just be honest. Right.
0: Right. Do you, do you think that honesty sort of came easily to you? It it seems to me like you have trouble being false. I can't be false. And
1: I am a terrible liar. I I can't, I can't lie. Mm -hmm. I think I tried lying to my husband when he was, when he was my boyfriend, he totally caught me and he's like, don't ever try to lie to me. You're so (laughs) obvious. So, um, being honest, yeah, is, is kind of something I, I can't help but do. And, It does help me as an actor because, um, my, one of my acting teachers always said, you know, it's all about pressing bruises. Like when you're doing a really emotional scene or you have a character who's on an emotional roller coaster, you know, you have these bruises that you've accumulated throughout your life. And, you know, you, in order to do a scene, you kind of press on that bruise and see if it's working for you. Right. If that bruise isn't working, you got to go to another bruise, you know, to call up kind of, you know, things and, and you want it to be as fresh and as real as possible, um, Sometimes things don't work for me and I have to try something different. But um but it all comes from I guess it's method. Yeah. "Quote unquote method." It's a little Daniel Day-Lewisy, but but I guess I am a little method somehow. Um yeah. even though I I just have never put labels on it.
0: Sure, sure. I always wonder about this with people who sort of do that with actors who do that. It's like is can you get like lost in that remembering those bad moments because I know with writing sometimes, uh, like if I'm going deep into like a a place I don't really want to go, like it can be hard to get out of there.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of the burden of being an artist. Um, but that's what, that's what people need us to do. You know, I, I actually, um, I think, uh, on life goes on, I wasn't very, um, good at controlling that kind of bottomless pit of sadness. Sometimes I played a character who, um, fell in love with, um, a character who had HIV right, and right. my, and Becca was just obsessed with him and he was like 16 years old and I just really went there and yeah. I, I really had trouble coming back from there because I just didn't know how to control it. And since then I've really learned how to control it. Um, and in fact, Patty Lapone, who played my mom on Life Goes On, is so good at doing that. Like yeah. she's so good at turning it on and turning it off. Mm. And I watched her do that for many years and wasn't able to do it until I was a bit older. And something she said to me that so stuck with me when I asked her, I said, how do you cry so easily? Like, how do you do that? I mean, she's Sicilian, so that helps. But she said, honey, I got a suitcase full of sorrow. Yeah. And I didn't have one of those when I was, you know, 16. So I had to kind of like, I was just hoping to accumulate it so I could be as good as Patty. And sadly I did. Mm, Um, And now I'm much better at controlling it and knowing how to turn it off. And I think actually the really important thing is knowing when to start to turn it on. Mm-hmm. I've done lots of scenes where in the master, where it's very wide, I give it all away. You know, if I'm crying, if I have to cry in this scene, like I just like, just there it goes. Yeah. And then when they get to my close-up where it's like really important that I'm very much in touch and emotional— it's not really there or it's not quite as fresh or it's yeah. not as good as I had hoped it could be because I had given it away. So it's hard to control that. It's like a little faucet. You're yeah. going to have to control
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your parents are salt of the earth and so are mine. Uh, so when I said I wanted to be a writer, Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, no, it's not going to happen. But <laughs> yeah. you, like when you sort of stumbled into acting, it sounds like, like, what was their attitude toward that? What, what did they, what did they have to say about it?
1: So my dad has worked at JCPenney's forever. Like he, he was, um, I don't know what he was when I started. Maybe I don't think he was a personnel manager at JCPenney's, but he worked at JCPenney's and my mom was a preschool teacher. Okay. And when I got that audition with Michael Landon and he wrote me a part and I did all right, um, my parents were very, very skeptical and very reluctant to let me go on auditions because, you know, it costs gas money. Sometimes you'd have to put yourself up at a hotel or, you yeah. know, different things. So, mm-hmm. And my parents couldn't afford that. So they they thought, okay, I'll let her give it a try for a little while. If it costs too much money, then we won't do it. And I, have, I had a little sister as well. So it was logistically difficult. But I got most auditions I went on, like, it's a very small pool when you're a child actor, and I was very confident and very sassy, and I went in, and I mostly, I did like 50 commercials when I was a kid, I mean, I just go get those parts, and I think I paid for college by the time I was nine,
2: Sure,
1: you know, I'd saved up enough money for that, so... They were like, okay, we'll let her do it. <laughs> and my mom had to quit her job because I became busy enough that she—and she didn't want anyone else to be with me but her, which, right. thank God for that. Because a set, honestly, is no place for a child. Yeah. So thank goodness I had an awesome mom looking over, watching over me and making sure I was safe and that I didn't hear things I didn't need to hear. Yeah. Because it's a world of adults that no kid should be exposed to.
0: Now, you said your, your older child wouldn't want to act or probably wouldn't have the— gift for it. Yeah.
3: Um, but
0: say, say your younger child is really into it. Like, is that, what would be your your greatest encouragement uh, for them? And then what would be sort of like your biggest um, hang up about maybe that?
1: My biggest hang up would be just logistics. I mean, it really requires you driving into Los Angeles and having, you know, really it's the mom or dad that needs to sit in the office, like sign the kid in and just like really just do the work. Right. Um, send them to acting class. So drive in for that because we live a bit far from the city. Um so logistically I think it's difficult. I think it's very important for a kid to be in school and I think it's very important for a kid to be a kid. I feel like I escaped, I did all right, I'm I'm okay. I I, I got through it unscathed. Right. But I don't think that a child should be should work. I think a kid should be a kid. That being said, I think it's amazing to be in touch with your emotions. I think it's amazing to be able to speak well. It really serves you well throughout your life, even if you don't end up being an actor when you're older. So there are lots of good things about it. But I think missing school is difficult and not something that every kid can do and kind of go back and forth and be successful and go to college and all that stuff. I mean, I think it takes a real disciplined kid, and I was quite disciplined. I just don't want that for my girls. I want my kids to be you know, digging up worms and playing on the swing set. Like, I just don't want them to have to, like, be learning lines and going into auditions. I just don't.
3: Yeah.
0: I've done enough of these recordings now for The Art of Shaving that people are, are always asking me, Todd, do you actually like shaving that much. And the answer to that is, is, is yes, I do. I love shaving. I love shaving in all its particulars. And I love the products that you can get at the art of shaving, which have taken my shaving game to a new level. In particular, right now, I'm using their bourbon-inspired collection, which is in celebration of the highly anticipated new film, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, in theaters September 22nd. So this is inspired by that new movie, and its new collection is thoughtfully created to celebrate the best of the modern gentleman, like a Kingsman, you might say. It combines a rich, woody base with a hint of vanilla. It's got the bourbon amber scent, and it evokes both heritage and tradition. With its blend of botanical ingredients and essential oils, this pre-shave formula is perfectly suited for men with tough beards. Formulated with skin conditioners and essential oils, the shaving cream helps hydrate and soften your beard hair for a close and comfortable shave. Blended with essential oils and moisturizers, the light and quick-absorbing aftershave balm hydrates and refreshes skin after shaving, leaving it feeling smooth. These Kingsman collection items are available at all The Art of Shaving retail locations and online at theartofshaving.com. So see the new movie, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, in theaters September 22nd. And our listeners will receive 15% off their first order and free shipping by using the promo code Todd, T-O-D-D. To get this offer, go online to theartofshaving.com, use my special promo code Todd to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Visit theartofshaving.com for this special offer, and be sure to catch Kingsman, The Golden Circle, in theaters September 22nd. So my, my, my research for this involves just reading your IMDb page. <laughs>
1: excellent, excellent. Hopefully it's accurate. There's, I haven't
0: looked at it in a while. There's a... Uh there's just a lot of stuff on there that I just want to talk about. It goes on and on yeah. and
1: on, doesn't it? Uh, that I just <laughs> want
0: to talk about. So we're just going to do that for a while. Um, I noticed you were in, as as a young child, you were in a couple episodes of Life with Lucy. Yes. With the great Lucille Ball. Yes. Her kind of final TV show. Did you get to, like, meet her and work oh, with her? Oh, yeah. And, yeah and I, what was that like?
1: I for sure got to meet her and work with her. And it's, for, I mean, can you imagine meeting more of a legend? Yeah. I, and I knew who I met. Like I I was I was an I love Lucy fan sure. from the time I was little. So I was excited. I have to be honest, she was 80 something years old. Right. I don't think she really wanted to be doing it. Mm. Um she wasn't very friendly. But why would you want to be friendly to a little, like, punk kid when you're an 85-year-old? When you're Lucille Ball and you're 85 years old. Like, come on. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was warm and fuzzy and grandmotherly. That wasn't yeah. who I met. But still, I got to meet a legend, and that was awesome. I think the thing that bothered me most about that show was that I wasn't the main girl. Yeah. Which I auditioned for. I always—this I mean, is, like, the thing. As a child actor, you audition for the main kid. And mm-hmm. if you don't get that part, you get to be their friend. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenny Lewis got to be Lucille Ball's granddaughter, and I got to be her friend. And then True Beverly Hills, Jenny Lewis got to be Shelley Long's daughter, I got to be her friend. So like, (laughs) that went on for many years, me and Jenny Lewis. Um, Jenny would always kind of have the edge over me. So she was my, I always called her my nemesis growing up, which is hilarious, because she's super nice. And I actually ran into her not that long ago, and it was really fun to see her. But as a kid, I was just like... I gotta be her at this part. <laughs> I want her to be my friend for a change.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I just think about like um those like really intense rivalries you have when you're like a little kid. And oh, then yeah. like you're an adult and you look back on it and you're like, that was kind of
3: weird.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's made me quite competitive with girls my age. Consequently, I don't have many girls like friends who are girls my age. Right. I just don't because mm. I was always trying to win. Yeah. I mean, I am sure little ice skaters are the same way, or gymnasts, or you know, people who were well, like really serious at a sport. Um, it made me quite competitive. I, it's unfortunately kind of suffered. like my relationships with women my age. It's really suffered.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I was a, a Life Goes On fan. Oh. Uh, when I was growing up, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, not much. Yeah. But so I watched, I think every episode of that show. I'm sure I missed a couple. But, um, <laughs> and uh, I always really. Your character was always my favorite, and Thank like you. I, I really, uh, I really strongly like identified with, and thought she was really compelling and interesting. Tell me what was like? How did you get that job? Like, and spending four years, like you said, your high school years on this show must have been kind of uh, a, a mind warp in some ways. So, give me a sense of that time in your life.
3: Yeah.
1: Um... I, the first audition for Life Goes On, I wore my red glasses because I think it said she was bespeckled. <laughs> so I had red glasses and like Sally Jesse Raphael's glasses. So I wore those at my first audition and it went really well. And I remember asking the casting director, uh, Dee Dee Bradley, I said, so is Corky really going to have Down syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing right. about people with Down syndrome, and she said, uh, "Yeah,
2: hmm.
1: and we've already cast him, and you know his name is Chris Burke." So the, I, I think I went on probably five auditions for that part before I actually got it. And what was funny is um, it ended up coming down between me and Maya Mviolic. Oh wow! Yeah,
2: hmm.
1: um, she didn't end up going to network because I think she had some a conflict. So I was the only one who went to network, and that's kind of like the final phase of the audition. Sure. And what was funny is I heard that they wanted Becca to be prettier, or maybe my agent told my mom that. I don't know. So I didn't wear my red glasses on the final audition. And the um, producer saw me before you know he went into the session, and he said, where are your glasses? I yeah. said, oh, and I'm so stupid. I'm like, well, I heard that you guys wanted someone a little prettier, so I thought maybe I wouldn't wear my glasses. And he's like, uh, we need your glasses. <laughs> I said, well, my mom has them in her purse, but I have my contacts on. And he said, just put the glasses on. So I put the glasses over my contacts. (laughs) So I didn't see anything. I couldn't see anything when I was in for the audition, which is fantastic. Because I didn't didn't know how many people were in the room looking at me. I just kind of went in. I could only, like, see my lines. Like, that was it. So that was the crazy journey to get the part. And then, honestly, I just—I didn't think too much of it. And it didn't get heavy. I don't feel like it got heavy until Chad Lowe was cast and the HIV storyline kind of took— prominence Mm -hmm. um the stuff with Chris Burke was amazing and groundbreaking and all of that but my character was always like whatever quirky, you know his protector but kind of rolling her eyes a little bit and she was a pouty but I had my first kiss on that show I had never kissed a boy so my first kiss was a scripted kiss Mm. that's fine um I learned how to Becca learned how to drive before I did so Mm. I had to learn how to drive on on the back a lot of Warner Brothers um, and I think they taught me on an Austin Healy, which is not what you teach a child to drive on. Like that is the wrong car for a kid to learn how to drive. And then Becca got into college before I did. And she got into Brown. And I was like, damn, I better get into a better school than that. Or like at least as good. Yeah. So I was always kind of trying to keep up with her. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing I loved so much about Becca was she was a real brainiac. Yeah. But there was something kind of cool about her. She just really knew who she was.
3: Right. Right.
1: And, um, and I think I wasn't nearly as much of a brainiac as Becca was, but she kind of made me want to be a brainiac. So mm-hmm. I like that she gave those nerdy girls permission to kind of be who they are and that there was something really cool about being smart, even though you were a teenage girl.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And I love that about her.
0: I just, I remember when I when I saw the promos for that show, um, I, I like... Obviously, that show was groundbreaking in so many ways. It had Chris Burkett had the HIV positive character. But when I first saw the promos for that show, I was like, oh, that girl wears glasses. So was like, <laughs> that was like what made me think, oh, this is this is a show for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you wear
1: glasses? Too? I didn't
0: at all. Like, I just oh, was like, I've never seen that before. Like, my I,
1: Yeah, it's true, right? You didn't yeah. really see that. Yeah. Or maybe like, again, like the nerdy friend had glasses, but not the lead girl. Yeah. So it was unusual that she did have those glasses. And they dressed me in the craziest clothes. So she wore like not punky Brewster crazy, but kind of like crazy outfits. Yeah. And then the red glasses. And she was just her own creature. Yeah. And I love that. I wasn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Becca. And I I like I said, I have this, it's this weird kind of like, I am Becca, Becca is me, like, but I'm not really. And and I think when it's those formative years, it's kind of an interesting time to be playing a character for four years. Like, that's—it is a bit of a mind warp, as you said earlier.
0: You such you're really competitive. Were you competitive with a fictional character? Like, were yes. you competing with her?
1: <laughs> I think that's probably what it was at the end of the day, is that she was just another girl I competed <laughs> with. Yeah. And they could write— Anything for her. And yeah. I'd have to be like, well, I gotta keep up, you know, because I was the real, you know, I was the real person, but she was the fictional character.
2: It's true.
0: When you think back on some of those like high school landmark moments that you had first as a character on the job, like does it dim those a little bit or is it still like that was my first kiss?
1: That's a good question. Um it just I think makes them weird. Mm-hmm. Um I don't actually remember my first real kiss. I think it might have been with Joey Lawrence. Hmm. Could have been. That's weird, right? (laughs) I went to Homecoming with Fred Savage. Sure. Um, That's weird. Uh, But that's who I knew because those were other child actors at the time. And that's kind of like, that was my social life. Um, I didn't have normal high school experiences mostly, though, because I didn't go to the football games. I mean, I was on set school, so I, I didn't have the same experiences. So it's a weird kind of arrested development, like... I was very wise beyond my years in many ways, but super behind the times. I mean, when I went to college where I was, like, actually going to school again, right? I did not know how to talk to kids my age.
2: Yeah.
3: Like
1: a normal—not that Yalies are normal. They're weird. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to kind of, like, get at the social life there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was hard.
0: <laughs> uh, it strikes me that a lot of people who are are— become sort of famous actors as children or teenagers do end up going to like Yale or Harvard. And it, I wonder if some of that is because, well, a, it's very prestigious obviously, mm-hmm. but B it's also like a lot of people there are already high achievers. And like, yeah. There is that sort of common ground. Did, did you sort of experience that?
1: I mean, I found at Yale, a lot of people who were like me, not that I was a virtuoso violin player, mm-hmm. but that I was one of the better actors of my generation or, you know, time. Um, so so there were people who are talented, like, very talented. Then there are the people who got, like, 1600s on their SATs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yale can fill their school with those kids. Yeah. But they choose not to. They choose to make it interesting. Um, so I, my SATs were like, meh. You mm. know, they were all right. They were not Yale quality, like, at all. So I made up for it in all the other ways I'm interesting and in my my strange life experience, mm-hmm. and that's really who I met there. I met people who had quite different, um, interesting experiences. And actually, my I met my husband there. He was one of those brainiac kids who got crazy great test scores and perfect, like couldn't find uh, things hard enough in high, like things in high school weren't difficult enough. He had to go to college level classes when he was supposed to just be in high school. So there were those kids too. Yeah, But it was nice to kind of, even though I didn't think I was among my peers, I actually was in a strange way, even though I really like stuff. My first, my first round of grades were pretty bad when I got to college.
0: You kept kind of working through school too. How did, how did you balance those two?
1: Not very well. And, you know, I really shouldn't have worked through college, Mm -hmm. um, but I was so scared of leaving. I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to come back and be an actor. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept, you know, when those opportunities knocked, I kept saying yes to them. You know, and I made sure that they were scheduled during my spring break or summer break. Until you get a series, which I did a series called Crisis Center, which we didn't do that many episodes of it. So I had to leave for that. So I left like for a semester. Right. Um, which was hard for me to do. But I did it. And then it got canceled, so I went back to college. And then after my—well, like, actually, at the end of my junior year, I was offered the part on ER. Right. And you don't say no to that. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. You say yes. Hmm. So I said yes, and then I was on that show for almost two years. And if, <laughs> And if you're gone from Yale for more than a year and a half, you have to reapply. Oh, okay. So when I was killed— Yale wasn't really an easy option to go back to. I had to reapply and get in again. Wow. Which was daunting. So, um, so that, so I kind of wish I hadn't, I mean, I'm glad I did. I said, yes, whatever. It's just the way my life ended up going. But, you know, I never went abroad to take classes, which I wish I had done. You know, I didn't really immerse myself in school in a way that I kind of wish, looking back, I wish I had, um, but it just—I was too scared to.
2: Yeah. I
3: just
1: kept my foot in it, you know. And I auditioned in New York. I auditioned for Woody Allen once in oh. New York, and like I had some really cool auditions in New York. But,
0: um,
1: but it—it's—it's it's not necessarily what I should have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up ER, so yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> uh, you are part of, I think at least for my generation, one of the the most famous TV moments, uh, that the conclusion of that episode where uh, Carter is attacked and falls to the floor and there you are. Obviously, you must have read that and been like, wow, that's cool, but also you knew you were leaving the show. Uh, yeah. What was that emotional <laughs> ride like to get the show beyond the show and then be written out of the show?
1: So a quick little backstory. Um, I, my sister got lupus and passed away um, like a week before I started working on ER. So I started that show as an absolute wreck. I mean, Mm. literally they pushed for a week for me because Mm. they wanted to give me a week. Mm. So I don't remember much about ER. Like Mm. I really was on autopilot. And what's sad is it was such a great opportunity. And I wish I had, you know, whatever. I wish my life had been different then. Um, so that I could have kind of embraced it and really enjoyed it, but I wasn't able to at all. I just held it together and kind of got through the day. Um, so being in a hospital after having been in a hospital for months for real with my sister yeah. was super weird and felt really wrong. Yeah. So um, I never allowed myself to really enjoy it and go there. Um, yeah. So when they approached when John Wells approached me to have lucy leave
3: right
1: um i was i was a little relieved um just because i kind of just couldn't keep it up
3: yeah
1: um and so it was a blessing in disguise even though i've never i mean i took it as i was being fired (laughs) and he said we're just doing something different with the story i'm like yeah you're killing me (laughs) like that's totally like firing me he said no no that's not exactly it so um so that was hard it was really all the way around really hard it was a relief and then um but to be killed and to, like, die over two episodes, which I'm so glad it was an awesome moment in television, it was really hard for me.
3: Yeah.
1: And it was really hard for the other actors because they did not know I was leaving until they read the script. Right. So it was really sad. I mean, Alex Kingston, in there's this scene where I diagnose myself. I, I put my hand over my trach and I say,
2: mm.
1: I like pulmonary embolism. Yeah. And she's in that scene with me. She couldn't get through the scene because she kept sobbing. She yeah. kept going, I just can't. I don't want her to leave. I don't <laughs> want her to leave. So it was hard. It was hard. And when and my last scene that I ever shot on ER was when I was laying on the slab dead. Yeah. And the director, Jonathan Kaplan, came up and he whispered to me, when well, you're wrapped. And I just kind of grabbed in my husband's hand and I laughed. I didn't even say goodbye to people. It was really hard for me. Yeah. So again, with my weird life, like... Truth is stranger than fiction, but still, like, it's weird. It's just, uh, it was a hard time for me.
0: When you're someone who draws on emotions to work, yeah, but you're in a bad emotional place because yeah. we, I mean, everybody in life has, you know, they lose a job or whatever. Yeah. How do you? fight through those impulses to like just give in to the darkness, but you need to like stay here. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: And in fact, on ER, they don't want the doctors normally to show much emotion. Right. Luckily, I was a med student, so I was allowed little cracks of emotion. But I think that's when my uh, professional side just completely takes over. I just, Actually, my husband at the time, I mean, he was my boyfriend at the time when I worked, but he kept saying to me, he kept saying, you're a professional, you're a professional. So all I did was my job. I just went to work. I did my job. I just kept it all in, kept it together, um, kept a lid on it.
2: Right.
1: Because I'm good at, I'm good at working on a television show. I know how to do that. So, um, if nothing else, I can do that. Right. And that's what I did. Mm. You know?
0: Yeah. If you were like, the HR representative for all of television, <laughs> and you were going to be like, here is how you can succeed at working yeah. on a television show. Yeah, like what, like what are some tips people might not have that you have because you've been doing this since you were, you know, seven?
1: Well, you know, so many actors are coming from features and doing television, and mm. you know, if it's HBO, that's fine, or if it's, I mean, maybe even Netflix or Amazon, they'll let you have some time. Right. Net, um, television mostly, when it's just episodic television, it is a train, and you have to jump on. You usually get maybe three takes. So you need to, like, be on your game. Like, you need to know your lines, and you need to be able to hit your mark. I mean, it's technical. It's yeah. very technical. So all the emotion and all that other stuff, <laughs> like, you better just bring it right away. Right. Because we don't have time to go to take 25. It's not going to happen. We don't have that time. Right. And especially on something like ER, where you shoot a 12-page one Yeah. Like, You need to have it together right when you get to set. You can't find it, quote-unquote, find it, you know? It has to be there. Yeah. Um, And that's, I think, the big difference with television versus film or, like, theater, Mm. where you rehearse for weeks and you find it. Mm. Uh, You have to do your work off set and then bring it. And obviously be totally willing to change if that's what the director wants. Yeah. But you have to bring it, you know? They can't wait for you to, like, really get in touch emotionally. You have to just do it.
0: So when you read a script now, like, what's your process for, like, breaking down what you're going to do, how you're going to play these parts?
1: I still work with my acting coach. Uh, I I work with her on every project I do, especially Mm. on the guest book, because I needed to bounce it off of someone and do it wrong for once and then go to set and do it right. So I always work with her. But that's also the trick is you don't want to overwork it. You want to just have it so it's kind of there in your body somehow. But then when you get to set, still have it be fresh. So right. there's a real balancing act. So you can't be over-rehearsed. You have, But you can't be under-rehearsed. You kind of have to just be kind of there. Is that, is that too esoteric? No, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense.
0: I, I, I get
2: it. I get it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't do like a lot of like backstory, like Haley Dean's favorite color is purple. You know, <laughs> I don't do that stuff. Um I choose kind of specific things um, that I like to hit, like if she twirls her hair. Like I like sometimes to have a little habit that they have, even if you never see it on camera, just for me to kind of put myself there. Um, I don't know. I'm, I've i just been doing it so long, it kind of just falls into place usually, luckily.
3: yeah.
1: Um, and sometimes when it doesn't, it's usually me, something I'm doing wrong, but... Um, but the guest book didn't fall into place right away. It took me a minute. It took me a minute to find my footing on that one. Yeah. Mostly because I think I was nervous too, because I really wanted to do a good job for Greg. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's my friend.
0: <laughs> you have um, been working with the uh, Hallmark Channel mm-hmm. for many years. Like I, I This is going to be like a random thing that people won't care about, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, there, the Hallmark Channel holds this annual gathering, this one annual party that like yeah. they invite journalists to. And I've gone yeah. to a few of them and they're always like, and here's Kelly Martin, like our patron saint <laughs> right, Hallmark, right, right. and everybody applauds for you. Um,
2: <laughs>
3: and I was <everyone's>
0: like, okay. <laughs> uh, and Hallmark, I think, has kind of a, I don't know, has a reputation as being for moms or whatever, right. or being for grandmas. Like I watched Hallmark with my grandma when she was alive. That right. was my primary exposure to it. But yeah. the thing I think about is that it's a lot of movies about like just good, decent people. And that's hard to play. It's hard to play a good, decent person. So how do you approach that when you're going to do one of these movies?
1: Well, as as kind of like normal and balanced as I am, I hate saccharine. I hate sweet. Right. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I would say I'm probably not the girl they call for those parts. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only done one Christmas movie for them. <laughs> <laughs> and the one I did, I, I tried to make it I try, I try to put my grit in it right. when I can. Right. And I've been working with them since 2004. Okay. So I've been there long, much longer than people behind the scenes. Like, you know, executives have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there for a long time. And uh, I think I approach it honestly, and I still make it my own. And they haven't asked me to play it sweet, or mm-hmm. they haven't asked me to play it— Ernest is actually kind of something I, I do well. So right. it's honest, it's earnest, but I think I maybe have said no to the ones that are overly sweet. I am very, very happy my 10-year-old can watch the Hallmark shows I do. She can't watch the guest book. Right. So I love that she can watch that. Um, my mom, my dad, my... And when my grandma was alive, she loved it too. Yeah, It's a great place to work. It mm-hmm. really is. And um, I think there's a real need right now for television like this. Yeah. Game of Thrones is fantastic. But you don't feel good after you watch Game of Thrones. You feel a little gutted. Right. And that's all right. But there has to be those shows that build you up and make you feel happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I really think Hallmark Channel does that. Their mystery shows are a bit of a different story. So I did a show for them called Mystery Woman. Sure, we sure. did 10 episodes, mm-hmm. 10 movies and i wouldn't say that was a feel good show it no. was nancy drewish though right. so it was a comfortable show it was very murder she wrote it was um i feel like it's very accessible accessible it's not too complicated but it's a little intriguing mm-hmm. you know it's like the happy side of murder and <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. and there's a real place for that you know mm-hmm. and i actually think especially in this crazy political climate we're in For instance, advertisers are loving Hallmark Channel. Like, just put it on the Hallmark Channel. There's like, they love dogs. You know, like, you will never, there's nothing questionable happening. Mm. It does bother me sometimes when they're like, oh, you know, you can't wear that shirt because you see too much cleavage. I'm a little like, really?
3: Yeah.
1: I like this shirt. Yeah. But I can't wear it. So that annoys me when that happens. But they know their audience, and they're, they are fiercely loyal to their audience, which is why they use all the same actors, because mm-hmm. their audience likes those people. Yeah. They're happy with those people. Uh,
0: how do you sort of distinguish between too saccharine and then feel good? Because, like, the line is sometimes hard hard to see.
1: I can't play saccharin. Yeah. I really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll make my stomach hurt. I just—I can't do it, because I'm not saccharine, and I have my sweet moments, but I— those saccharine moments, I have them take them out of the script before before we shoot it. Right. Or I'll talk to the director and say, I know that this is what they think they want here, but I'm going to, like, steer it in this direction. And trust me, it'll be good enough that they won't miss that little saccharine part.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So I just don't give it to them. Yeah. Mm. Um, again, I haven't done more than one Christmas movie. (laughs) I feel like they do save some of that saccharine stuff for that, you know, for the Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. But people love their Christmas movies. They're like candy, you know? They're really, they're delightful.
3: Yeah. And,
1: um, and that's great. So, so I would say I'm probably one of the more like wry kind of skeptical people at Hallmark. Yeah. But they need me to serve that role. Sure, you know, like sure. there's a place for that there.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, you're missing out on the Christmas movies though. I know. Oh,
1: <laughs> I know. And I really had fun with the one I did. Although I will say it was very hot because they shoot them all in the summertime. So yeah. you wear like hats and and scarves and everything and you're literally sweating your way through the thing. So I don't miss that.
0: You do do a fair amount of voiceover work, uh, mm-hmm. including on uh, my favorite movie of all time, A Goofy Movie. I knew you were going to say uh, that. I, 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 it, I'm like, it's not actually my favorite movie of all time, but it is but a very an- fun movie. Yes. Like, it, yeah, it's up there. It's yeah, up there. it was a
1: good animated <laughs> film. <laughs>
0: uh, what, what draws you to a voice voice part? Uh, and uh, do you have any goofy movie <laughs> anecdotes? I don't
1: remember. I actually don't remember yeah. doing the goofy movie, actually. I, I must have been, I think I was doing Life Goes On at the time. I did a lot of voiceovers on my lunch hour from Life Goes On. Mm. So it got a little busy. Um, Mm -hmm. I did a pup named Scooby-Doo. I played Mm -hmm. Daphne. And that was so much fun. I did that for years. Mm -hmm. Voiceovers are the best. They're the best. They're they're fun. I will do them anytime anyone asks me to do them because you get to wear your pajamas. You know, your hair can be crazy. And your voice still sounds the same. So Mm. they're just one of those things that I wouldn't say I'm terribly good at them because I don't do different voices. I mean, I can make my voice a little higher or a little lower, but... Mm -hmm. I've, I worked with Don Messick who played Scooby-Doo and who played Droopy and who played Astro when I, back when Hanna-Barbera existed. Yeah. And I would watch him literally talk to himself in a scene playing two different characters. And it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. So I don't do that. Mm -hmm. There are those voiceover artists who do that. And I like, thank God for them because Mm -hmm. we need them. (laughs) I can't do that. I kind of play, again, different versions of myself.
0: Yeah. You've done, you've done some work in, in features as well, um, including on a a Joe Dante movie. I, I really like Matinee. A feature world, like, is, I guess, probably harder to work in uh, when you're a mother and have all these exactly. other things going on. But, like, is that a world you you hope to re-explore? Or?
1: I mean, I'm open to it. Uh, yeah. I actually just auditioned for a Kevin Hart movie that I really would love to do because it would just be a blast.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, The hours are really long. You often work one day in a two-week period and they need you in Atlanta, you mm. know? So it's logistically... Dif- difficult obviously but um, that's why Hallmark works so well for me right now is I can call the shots in a lot of ways right. um, I know you know a month from now I'm going to run up to Vancouver and shoot a 15 day movie mm-hmm. so features are great and I would of course I would love to do features yeah. but uh, they require a bit more effort and a lot more auditioning mm. because the, those feature people don't normally know like they don't technically know me right now right. Um so that's fine. But um, again, it's hard for me to go in and, and audition a lot. I mean, I have little kids, yeah. so.
0: You've done some guest spots on some great TV shows, including Mad, Mad Men. Uh, where I, I realize you didn't work with her in the show, but you had worked with Kiernan Shipka before. Yes. Who's kind of like this new up-and-coming great teenage actress. Yeah. what is What was that experience like of... of being on Mad Men, but also just, like, when you step into a show you know and like, like, I assume, you know. Oh, and like these I was a shows, huge fan. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be in the show now. Yeah. Like, is that a little disorienting?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I actually um, knew that Mad Men always auditioned people. You mm-hmm. do not get a part on Mad Men unless you go in and audition for Matthew Weiner.
2: Right.
1: And so when I got the audition, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> First of all, huge fan, love the show, heard that Matthew Weiner is really tough. Yeah. And I was scared to audition for him. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how long I've been doing this. I get nervous. Mm-hmm. Of course I do. Because I you really put yourself out there as an actor. So um, I was really excited to, I guess, I was nervous to go on the audition. And then... I had a great meeting with him and he was a big ER fan, loved my character, loved my death, which I was sitting there going, Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> and then he actually worked at a pilot I did years ago, I think in like 2001. He was a writer on one of these pilots. And so he said, You were so nice to me. He said, I was kind of new and I didn't really know anyone and you were like one of the leads and you could not have been sweeter to me. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I think I did the little scene for him eight times in the wow. audition. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Usually you do it once, maybe twice. Right. Eight times. And he gave me direction every time. So I walked out of there. I was like, oh, I didn't get that part. You know, <laughs> he made me do it eight times. Yeah. And then when they called to cast me, I was, I was again, a little terrified. I yeah. was like, oh no. Cause I knew he was going to direct it and he had written it. So I got really scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made me put on acrylic nails. He picked out my nail color. Mm. I mean, he's, when, when people say he's involved in every aspect of the show, that is no lie.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we had a rehearsal day, which never happens on television. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was an interesting process. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that was so fun about it is everyone who works on that show, everyone, doesn't matter what the job is, they are so good at what they do. So it yeah. was amazing to be on set with these people who are at the absolute peak of their ability. My hair and makeup was phenomenal. My clothing was amazing. So it was just really fun. Yeah. And I yeah. worked a little bit with Kiernan. Yeah. Um, and actually remember before I even worked with Kiernan the first time on this Hallmark movie, Smooch, when I was doing my wardrobe for Smooch, I saw her picture on the board. I didn't know who they'd cast for my daughter do- for she's my daughter in that. Yeah. I think so. Yes. I think she was my daughter. i watched that one. I think so, um, yes. So I saw her picture and I said, why is Sally Draper on the wall? And they said, she's playing your daughter. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm so excited. So I was a fan of hers before I even worked with her the first time. So um, doing Mad Men was, I, was like a little bit of a bucket list yeah. thing for yeah. me, even though it was just three little scenes. It mm-hmm. was such an honor to be on that show.
0: Mm-hmm. You obviously work with many Younger actors now, uh, people, children, but also teenagers and, like, early 20 something yeah. Like, do you have advice for them? What's your standard go-to to be like, this is what you need to do to keep going?
1: Well, I did say to Kiernan, actually, go to college. <laughs> Please go to college. I said, you're going to be very busy and everybody they're going to be wanting you to work, but take the time to go to college. I don't know if she will. I hope she will. And she's so bright. Yeah. I said, and, and go to a Yale or Harvard or Princeton or Stanford. Like, you will get in. Right. So... So set your hopes high and 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 do it. So I I mean I truly think that that is that is always my advice is get mm-hmm. an education because you may get to college and say you know I want to be a mathematician
2: right
1: or I want to be an archaeologist mm. and that that should be a path that's available to you. Don't just do don't just stay an actor because that's just what you've always done.
2: Yeah,
1: you know the most interesting actors live their lives so. I think college and being away from home and being uncomfortable and being inspired in a totally different way is so important for your life that if you do come back and be an actor, what a better actor you'll be because you've lived in a different way. You've kind of gotten out of your comfort zone. You stopped just doing, you know, scenes and plays and whatever. Go, you know, I mean, I was an art history major and, I was, like, I had this I had this professor, her name is Mary Miller, and she is a Mayanist. And mm. I sat in her class, and she talked to me about digging up Mayan ruins in Guatemala, and I was in heaven. Mm. And I was so inspired. And now I'm producing this thing called Emma Fielding, which is a Hallmark series about an archaeologist. Right. And you better believe I'm drawing of on all the things I learned in my history of art classes from Mary Miller, yeah. you know, and... That's what's interesting about being an actor is you can draw on all that weird stuff that mm. you've experienced as a person.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've worked with so many great actors, so many great people just over the course of this career. Who do you think you took the most from or learned the most from?
1: Hattie home, without a doubt. Yeah. She's um, so naturally gifted as an actor and as a singer, obviously, but uh, went to Juilliard, studied. Mm-hmm honed her craft and has a great respect for for those who work at their craft and there's a real kind of proper way to do things with respect to patty um you need to know your stuff and you need to be on when you come work with her Mm -hmm. um that being said she's so crazy in such a beautiful way that she really invites this kind of unexpected magic to happen yeah so I think that's my takeaway from working with Patty: is be prepared, have the framework super solid, so that you could sprinkle in that magic that you never knew was going to happen, mm-hmm. because she's magic. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was amazed by her every day that I worked with her on Life Goes On, and then I always, I mean, I always fly out to New York and see whatever new show she's doing. When she did Mama Rose, and I've seen her do a lot.
3: Mm.
1: Rose's turn, she, I mean, she loses her mind. Yeah. Sometimes twice a day, yeah, on like on stage. <laughs> and then you go backstage and see her. I'm like, knock on her little, you know, dressing room door and she opens it. She goes, Hey, doll. I'm like, I just saw you literally crumpled on the ground, yeah. sobbing your brains out. And you're like, Hey, what's up? You know, afterwards, <laughs> like, how can you be that person? So I just have such admiration for her and she's been so generous with me. Um, she sang at my sweet sixteen. Mm. She uh, she sang at my wedding, and after my sister died, she flew out to be with me on set. She sat on the set of ER, wow. just sat in my like my little chair, and just was there for me. Wow! So she's been an amazing friend, um, and she's like my second mom. So mm. without a doubt, she's the one I most admire.
0: We're going to head toward the end of the show now, but I do want to ask, we've talked a lot about what has changed since you started when you were seven. What's what's still the same about acting to you? What's the, the what's the through line from seven-year-old you to you now?
1: Um, I think approaching it with this kind of curious mind um, mm-hmm. and open heart, um, I think, is is incredibly important. And really getting joy out of the process. Yeah. I mean, I love walking into the hair and makeup trailer and you know sitting there and talking to them and then you know they call you to set and i'm always the first on set which <laughs> is funny like you're not supposed to do that when you're the star of the show you're supposed to like let the supporting char- characters get there before right. you i'm always the first on set because i have i just love doing what i do right and i want to be there doing it yeah. so i think that that's never changed mm-hmm. and when that does change for me, then maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Hmm. But for now, it's it's alive and well for me.
0: So we end every episode by asking people some of the same questions. Uh, I'm going to toss those at you now. Um, the first one is, what's like the last book or movie or TV show or album, something pop cultural that you've taken in and what did you think of it? Okay. Um... It could be something you Oh, uh, these are watched. the hard ones.
1: I can talk about myself all day long. But um, <laughs> what have I taken in recently that's really uh touched me? Um I just read an amazing book called The Warmth of Other Suns. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh that book blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um it's rare that I sit down and read a book. Yeah. And that one just took me on such a journey, and it was it's narrative nonfiction. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so the crazy thing is, you know, that happened. Like, those people were real. So yeah. it, that was—and um, just, you know, the that that experience that's been so different from my own was a real, like, eye-opener. So I, I don't want to explain the book, but trust me, it's an amazing
0: one. People should pick it up it's for sure. It's a great sure. book. It's a great book. Um, what's, what's the worst date you've been on?
1: I've been on very few dates. I've <laughs> had lots of on-screen bad dates, but— okay. <laughs> So, actually, the first date with my husband mm-hmm. was it, what I wanted it to be a terrible first date because uh i i didn't I didn't want to go out with him. I was breaking up with a longtime boyfriend right, and I kind of ran into Keith and he really wanted to have dinner with me, and I was like no, I'm not in this place and no. And so I didn't wear any makeup and I didn't brush my hair and I wore a black suit. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to not, I don't, I didn't want him to be interested in me at all. And like partway through dinner, I was so mad at myself because I was having so much fun. Right. I wanted it to be a bad date and it was an amazing date. Mm. Um, and so I felt really bad that it looked super, super unattractive.
0: And I asked you, who's the actor you've worked with that you've learned the most from? Who's the actor you've never met that you've learned the most from?
1: Uh, you know, I will say Jodie Foster. Okay. She definitely inspired me to apply to Yale, um, just because I loved the idea. She was an amazing actress. Right. She directed, Mm -hmm. and then she acted, and she went away to Yale, and then she came back and did those things. Like, I loved that she was very versatile and that she wasn't afraid to go away, so she was a real inspiration to me, kind of all the way around. Sure. Um... And I actually wrote her a letter before I applied to Yale mm. and just asked her how she how she was brave enough to leave and do it. And she wrote back to me because wow. my agent got it to her agent, and mm-hmm. somehow it got to her, like, amazingly. Um, so she probably—and I would love to work with her someday. I'm just—I've been such a fan of hers. Mm.
0: Great, great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, Kelly. thank
1: you. That's this wonderful. was so much fun.
0: I Think You're Interesting is hosted and executive produced by Todd Vanderwerf in case you hadn't guessed, that's me. Locks Podcasting is headed up by Marty Moe and Jackie Goldstein. Our executive producer of audio is Nishak Kurwa. Our sound designer is Miles Yule. Our logo designs, thanks to Victor Ware, Crystal Stevenson, Georgia Cowley. Our production manager is Alex Ulreich. Our production coordinator is Paige Bethman. Our audio engineering and post-production are thanks to P3 Post. Uh, this week's episode was recorded at the wonderful Village Workspaces podcast studio in Santa Monica. We're right next to a Jersey Mike's now. The editor on this episode is Peter Leonard. Our recording engineer was Che Brooks. And if you would take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this program, uh, whatever podcast program you listen to it, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether that's Stitcher, I listen to podcasts on Castbox, which is a thing nobody's ever heard of, but I I will just bring it up here. Uh, just please go and take a moment to do that. It helps us sort of climb the charts. It helps us get great guests. It helps us with a lot of things. So we will be back next week with another person from the world of arts and entertainment, somebody who I think is interesting. But until then, please remember, life goes on.